0: Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 11, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: First Timothy Don't turn there, it's on the screen. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 reads this. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Then again in Timothy, Paul writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 5 Paul tells Timothy to preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when it will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears. They will heap up for themselves teachers. I like the New Living Translation of this verse. It reads like this. For the time will come when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them what they want to hear. Don't you know, we are living, unfortunately, in such times. What Paul said 2,000 years ago is very true today. We are living in that time when people have itching ears. They want to hear some new thing. And they've turned away from the truth and even hardened their hearts to the truth, even hardened their hearts, listen, toward the will of God for their lives. This morning in Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 27, Jesus is giving us a warning to take heed to the word of God. I've titled this sermon, Hear It know it and keep it luke chapter 11 we pick up in verse 27 saints if you're looking at it say amen some of y'all ain't looking luke eleven twenty-seven. 27 if you're looking at it now say amen. amen and it happened as he spoke these things that a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. But he, Jesus, said, more than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. And while the crowds were thickly, wow well, that's a funny word, isn't it? Thickly. While the crowds were thickly gathered together, he began to say, this is an evil generation. It seeks a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah the prophet. For as Jonah became a sign to the Ninevites, so also the Son of Man will be to this generation. The queen of the south will rise up in judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and indeed, underline this in your Bible, a greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed, underline this, a greater than Jonah is here. Saints, stop right there, give me your attention, just by show of hands, were you with me last week? Just by show of hands. Okay, good, that's a good number of you. Then you know that we looked at last week as Jesus cast a demon out of a man, some were affected, some were offended. And they said Jesus was casting out a demon by the power of Satan or Beelzebub. And then Jesus began to say, when a demon goes out of a man and comes back and finds the heart clean and swept without habitation, seven more wicked spirits than himself comes to live there, and the latter end of that man is worse than the first. Now notice in verse 27, if you will, while Jesus was speaking, he was interrupted by an unnamed woman who raised her voice and said, blessed is the woman that brought you into the world and blessed is her breast or the breast that nursed you. Now listen, this is the first attempt in the Bible to venerate, revere, and idolize Mary the mother of Jesus. In pagan religions, listen, they would often worship a goddess. In ancient Babylonian religions, they worshipped Nimrod, you know that, and they equally worshiped his mother, Semiramis. She was given the title queen of heaven and the mother of God, and prayers were made to her that she might intercede for someone to her son. You know where I'm going. So, you know, if you've been here at Calvary Chapel, I was raised Catholic for many years. Went to Catholic school and, and thank God for Catholic school. And largely, I thank God for Catholic school because I have pretty good penmanship. Some of y'all don't even know what penmanship is, do not Let me use that word. Some of y'all are like, penmanship, what's that? That's handwriting. And uh, I'll never forget. Catholic school is good, but, you know, those, you know, those, nurse, th- those nurses. Those wasn't nurses. I don't know. Maybe, maybe the nuns were nurses. I don't know. But those nuns, they were something else. And in and Catholic school, and you, anybody been to Catholic school, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, then you know what I'm talking about. They made you hold the pen the correct way. There was a way to hold that pen. And if you were not holding that pen the way they told you that you were to hold that pen, they would whack your knuckles with a ruler. I'm telling you, I left, my hands were huge some days. And they just appeared. I didn't even know how they got there. I'd see the nun over there. And I'm doing, writing my letters. And I'm holding the pen any way I want because I, I, I think I got this. All of a sudden, she just appears like out of the floor, like, shup, shup. like ah. and so you really, and people from Catholic school, and you know, you guys know this is true. If you went to Catholic school, you have good penmanship. Now, please listen. Having a Catholic background, having went to Catholic school, having went to Catholic high school, by no means am I a Catholic basher, and I'm not a protesting Protestant, but listen, I believe the Catholic Church that they are wrong and unbiblical about their veneration of Mary. I believe it's wrong and I believe it's unbiblical. And I honestly believe that Mary would say that it's wrong and unbiblical. Now here are a few things that the Catholic Church believes. The Catholic Church, if you're taking notes, the Catholic Church sees Mary as a co-mediator. Remember, the Bible says we have one mediator between God and man, the man who? The Catholic Church sees Mary as a co-mediator or co-redemptress, or that she helped Jesus in redeeming man from their sins. And if you want to be forgiven of your sins, you have to pray to Mary. And then you pray to Mary, Mary takes your prayer to Jesus. Jesus takes your prayer to God the Father. God the Father answers your prayer, gives the message back to Jesus. Jesus gives the message back to Mary, and Mary gives it to the priest, and the priest gives it to you. About the time that process goes, forget about it. I don't know, the prayer's already taken care of, whatever. So they believe that Mary is a mediator, that she is between man. In other words, if you want your sins forgiven, you have to go through Mary. Don't you remember the... Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou. Every Catholic knows this. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So the Catholic Church, you have to pray to Mary. They believe that she's a co-mediator or co-redemptress. Also, the Catholic Church teaches that Mary is favored above all people and that she is favored above all women. The Bible says, listen, she is blessed among women, but not above women. And at the same time, you know, a lot of Protestants look at Mary and say, well, you know, we shouldn't venerate Mary, we shouldn't idolize Mary, and they put Mary and they make, if you will, they make less of Mary. We have to be careful about that too. Because let's just face it, Mary is the mother of God. I don't know about you, but that's a little special. Is there anyone here that's ever given birth to God? Please raise your hand. I didn't think so. So that makes her special. She is blessed among women, but not above women. The Catholic Church teaches that Mary rose from the dead and ascended to heaven. They call that the Assumption of Mary. The Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. Now listen, Mary and Joseph had a normal husband-wife relationship and they had more children. We won't take the time, but you will find that in Matthew chapter 13, verses 55 and 56. On one occasion, the Bible teaches that Mary, tells us the story that Mary came to Jesus in Capernaum and when she couldn't get into the Bible study because the house was packed because Jesus was there, and whenever Jesus showed up, a lot of people showed up. So the house was packed and Mary came and she couldn't get to Jesus. So she sent someone to give word to Jesus that she was outside. And it's right about Matthew 12, verse 48. Jesus said, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Whoever does the will of God is my mother, my brother, and my sister. Notice when they came to tell Jesus that his mother was outside, Jesus doesn't stop what he's doing and go out and say, yes, ma'am. He doesn't do that. Anyone, listen, anyone who tries to put anyone on the same level of Jesus, that is what Paul is talking about. That is a doctrine of demons. That is a wrong teaching. That is heretical teaching. Jesus, listen, perhaps you will agree with this. Jesus is in a class all by himself. I thought you might agree with that. And putting anyone or anything on par with Jesus Christ is a doctrine of demons because it's an attempt to diminish the person and the work and the sufficiency of Christ. Listen, the focus of all, listen, watch this. The focus of all deception is to get your eyes off the person and the sufficiency of Christ and on to something else else. That's the focus of all deception. So the first attempt to elevate Mary is right here in verse 27. Notice in verse 28 in your Bibles, notice Jesus' response. Jesus said, more than that, blessed are those who do what, saints? Hear the word of God and do what? Keep it. We need to hear the truth, know the truth, and then be doers of the truth. You know, the problem is people today They don't want to hear the truth. And it's sad to say even, listen, it's sad to say even some Christians don't want to hear the truth. As said, this is the Bible. Can the church say amen? Amen. This is the word of God. Thank you. This is the word that will not change. It is, a, it is God's word to man. And thus, this book is right. And everything else and everyone else who would disagree with this book is wrong. Huh? And because this book is right, we need to obey it and do what it says. Even if, listen, even if what it says goes against what you want to do, what your flesh wants to do. I didn't think I'd get many amens there, but I wasn't hoping for any anyway. Because your flesh wants to do one thing, God's word says do something else. Your flesh says, I want things my way and my will, and God's word says, no, no, his will. For you, for your children, for your situation, for your marriage. You're to do things God's way and obey the Word of God, be doers of the Word, not just hearers only. Listen, church, U.S. American cultural Christians, church, we need to be doers of the Word of God, not just hearers only. Listen, come to church, I've told you, coming to church is dangerous. Danger will rob us in danger. Why? Because God's gonna hold you accountable for what you know. So I, I've been going to church all my life. I've been in church since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. What is that, anyway? <laughs> oh, I know, oh yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. Oh yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. Listen, when you stand before God, you're gonna be held accountable for that which you know. That's why coming to church and hearing the word of God is dangerous. Because if you know a lot, then you're expected to do a lot. To whom much is given, much is required. And I am amazed at the church in the U.S. We have so much information, so much uh, accessibility to God's Word. I know in my office I probably have 10, 15 Bibles. In, at home, I probably have another four or five. We have, you've got plenty of Bibles in your home. We have DVDs nowadays, we have CDs, we have online access to sermons, we got podcasts with that one great preacher guy named Rodney, and we've got, we've got various Bible translations, and it seems to me that our nation is biblically illiterate. It seems to me, you know, a pastor ended one Sunday morning service by instructing his people. He said, I'd like for all of you to read the 17th chapter of Mark's gospel before next Sunday. Well, the following Sunday, true to his word, he asked the congregation, how many of you actually read the 17th chapter of Mark's gospel this past week? Almost everyone in the pews raised their hands to signify they had indeed read the 17th chapter. And then the pastor then stunned his people by announcing, ladies and gentlemen, there is no 17th chapter of Mark's gospel. And then he proceeded to preach a Sunday morning sermon, which happened to be on the sin of lying. (laughs) A nation of biblically illiterate people we got to move forward look at verse 29 now the crowd becomes thicker and Jesus began to preach and say this generation is evil Matthew chapter 12 you might write that in your margin tells us that Jesus said this is an evil and adulterous generation because they were seeking a sign and they asked Jesus to show them a sign okay so he's already healed a man who couldn't speak he uh, uh, caused a man to hear that couldn't hear, caused a man to see that couldn't see. He cast out a demon. He raised the dead. But now they're asking for a sign. Now we all know, listen, don't we all know sign seekers? People who say that they want a sign from God. I mean, have you ever heard people say, well, you know, if God is real, that's why tell me this one time, if God is real, then let God right now, if God is real, then let God strike me with lightning right now. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, please do it. <laughs> do it now, God. Just burn him up right now, Lord. <laughs> now, let me ask you how real God is. If God is real, then God do this. And if God is real, then God should do that. people will say, well, you know, I need to see a miracle before I believe, before I have faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, somebody help me, and hearing by the word of God. Listen, God has already shown mankind the greatest miracle of all. What's that, Rodney? John 3.16. For God so loved the world. Y'all know that verse, say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Don't you realize that's a miracle? That God would send, listen, that God would send His only Son into the world, who to die for a Christ-rejecting sinful world. Who would do that? I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. People don't love you. They don't love your son, but you send your son into the world to die for the sins of the world, for people who don't love him. That is a miracle. It's a miracle that God will allow his son to die on Calvary's tree instead of you and me. So they're asking for a sign. And Jesus said, the sign you will get, go ahead and peruse your Bible. The sign you will get is the prophet who? Jonah. Jonah was a sign. Jonah wasn't just someone who preached the message. Jonah was the message. Now don't you know the story? God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach, but instead he tried to go to Tarshish on a ship because Jonah hated the Ninevites. And the Lord sent a great storm, and Jonah was thrown overboard into the sea, and a whale swallows swallows him up and then barfs him up on the beach in Nineveh. Why? Because you can't keep a good man down. (laughs) You know, this third-grade Sunday school teacher, she asked her students, what can we learn from the story of Jonah and the whale? One child raised a hand and responded, people make whales sick? So there are people who, I like that too, sister, thank you. And uh, there are people, these so-called theologians, who don't believe that there was a Jonah. Well, listen, Jesus himself believed in the historicity of the person of Jonah. And I believe in the historical character of Jonah. And I have learned much theology about Jonah from Veggie Tales. It's biblical, and the Bible says that Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three nights and three days in the belly of the fish, and the whale barfed Jonah's, Jonah up on the beach. Remember that sermon? You guys were you guys around when I taught a sermon? And the, the sermon title was "Barfed Up on the Beach." It was a lovely sermon. The title was gross, but it was a great sermon. And so Jonah's up on the beach and, and, and he's bleached from all the acid in the belly of the whale. So he's standing there, not a bit of hair on his face, on his head, on his body. He looks like a cue ball. He's completely white. He looks like Casper, the friendly ghost. And his opening comments to the people of Nineveh were 40 days and you're all going to hell. You, are you getting that scene? He's bringing a message from God. The message from God is, you're all going to hell. I mean, think about it. A Sunday morning, I come in. My opening comments, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. In 40 days, you're all going to hell. God bless you and have a good week. You'll be like, and all the visitors are like, okay, check that church off. We We won't be going back to that church. So Jonah goes to Nineveh and he says, 40 days and you're all toasted. He probably said it with a smile. And he went up on the hill, and he's sitting there, and he's like, I can't wait, I can't wait. Well, the people, the Bible says, repented and made the children repent, and the animals repent. And and the Ninevites, who were wicked and pagan, heard the message, and they repented. Now, on the other hand, the people of Israel had the law, they had the prophets, they had signs, they had wonders, and they had a greater than Jonah among them. And they refused to soften their hearts. Therefore, the men of Nineveh, are going to rise up in judgment against them. He didn't only preach a message, Jonah, he was a message, and his message was resurrection. He was a sign to the Ninevites of someone who came back from the dead. And just as Jonah was barfed up by the power of God, the Bible says that Jesus was raised up from the dead by the power of God. Jonah, listen, becomes a type of Christ. He is a type of Christ. The sign of Jonah, in reality, is the sign of the resurrection. Now, if you've been around here at Calvary, you know that we talked about the fact that the resurrection is the greatest historical event and the greatest attested historical event in the history of mankind. And I've told you that, listen, that the hinge on which the door of Christianity swings is the resurrection. Christianity did you know? Christianity rises or falls on the resurrection. Period. Christianity, listen to me before you turn me off. Christianity does not rise and fall on the cross. There was nothing, listen, that special about the cross. What you talking about, Willis? There was nothing special about the cross. If you were executed in Jesus' day and you were were found guilty of a crime and, and deserved execution, then the way in which they executed people was on a cross. Nothing special about the cross in and of itself. Christianity does not rest on the cross. We sing songs about the cross and we love the old rugged cross. But nothing special about the cross. There was a thief on the cross, on Jesus' right, and on Jesus' left. So nothing special about the cross. Christianity rises and falls on the resurrection because if Christ be not risen, our faith is futile.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Carry